Welcome to today's Newsroom Special with Liam Riley. Unite Education has published a 20,000-word biography on retired Bradford bus driver Mohamed Taj, who in 2013 was the first South Asian president of the TUC. Mohamed is launching the book, Steering from the Front, alongside guests at Bradford City Hall this evening. He joined us ahead of the launch to discuss his life and work. You became the first ever South Asian president of the TUC. So what did it mean to you and the community when you took on that role? Well, although the role of president is very much ceremonial and it is an unpaid job, but it was historic. History was in the making. I believe it was a proud moment for workers and for our communities that a South Asian migrant arriving in the UK without being able to speak a word of English could become a representative of 6.5 million workers representing the UK, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. After 145 years, this was achieved through sheer hard work and determination to the concept of voluntary public service. Okay, so let's go back a bit. Where did it all start for you back in Pakistan? Well, it all started uh, from my childhood life back in a small village uh, four miles outside the city, the old city of Maipur, which nowadays has been flooded by the Mangla Dam project that was built in the mid-60s in Kashmir. Then I arrived in Bradford 1966 to go on to Usher Street Migrant Centre for three months because I was already 14 years and nine months old and I could only go to school for three months and then I had to leave at 15 because you couldn't stay on beyond 16 at that stage. Mm -hmm. Then my father was very much determined that he wanted me to have some basic skills of the English language. And although he found it really expensive uh, to give me, you know, what we call the old 10 bob note a week for bus fares, meals, mm. books, you name it. So I actually did manage to go to Bradford College for a year and a half which was a basic English for overseas students. Now that, in fact, I would say to you was a great help. And that allowed me to learn the basic English language. And then obviously I was trying to learn, improve on the language for years to come, even to this day. Right. And then you became a, a bus driver, is that right? That's correct, yes. Okay. And what is it about that time that made you so determined to become a leading voice for workers? Well, I was a bus conductor in Bradford initially, and I started on the 18th of February, 1974. And so those days you had to start your job as a conductor initially, and then they would train you up as a driver. And so basically I came in as a conductor, as a driver. When I became a driver, I discovered that there was injustice which was uh, taking place, and I witnessed it on a daily basis. Why should black and Asian people have to bribe someone like a union official or personal manager to get a job? When jobs were in fact plentiful, you could walk into a job anytime you wanted to as a bus conductor or a driver because they were plentiful. Why black and Asian people shouldn't be considered for promotion based on their qualifications and ability rather than the colour of their skin? This was pure discrimination and I felt I had to stand up along with many others to fight the injustice that was taking place at that particular time. So what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Well, I tell you, the, there was a large number of challenges and 
it's, it's always very difficult to quantify which was the biggest challenge. But if I had the choice and choose one amongst all of them, in fact, the biggest challenge we faced at the 70s up to right up to the end of 80s was racism. Racism was the biggest challenge we had to confront. Due to racism, people were unable to secure jobs they were qualified for and capable of doing. We were unable to participate in civic society, politics or trade unions. Everything we wanted to do, we were confronted with gatekeepers telling us why we couldn't do this. But I felt at the time it was nothing else but the colour of our skins. On a more positive note, what would you say were some of your proudest achievements? Well, I'm going to think about this, and I think uh, if I was to choose one, it would be in 1982-83, when, when I had been elected as a shop steward and I was vice chair of our branch in bus drivers in Bradford. I was uh, seconded to a project which ran for 12 months, funded by the Bradford College, Commission for Racial Equality and the Trade Union Congress uh, nationally. Uh, we managed to secure paid release for 80 black and Asian shop stewards, uh, which was a pilot uh, to produce teaching materials, which then were rolled out to be used nationally, which would encourage and empower people to become trade union activists, which would allow them to get elected as shop stewards, participate in politics, and civic society in general, because we felt that was one way of breaking barriers down, where we had a representation directly from the black and ethnic minorities, because people would feel a lot more comfortable, and they would in fact participate more. And I think you know the history tells us the number of politicians we have now in the com- country. Bill Morris was the first general secretary of the uh, Transport General Workers Union, and now I know there are many officers, many union activists, men and women up and down the country. So I th- I would say that probably was the biggest challenge, and I would say after 50 years, long time, but we overcome it. But still a long way to go yet. Mm. How much would you say has changed in terms of the workplace for ethnic minorities since you started out? My own experience were back in the 60s and 70s has changed tremendously. I know and I witnessed that you could, in fact, leave a job because you didn't like it on a Friday, walk into another job on a Monday morning. You could do that, and I was able to, in fact, do that because I was a youngster and I couldn't settle down on one job. So I changed about six jobs, uh, and believe it or not, it was every six weeks. Every six weeks, I would leave one job, move to another. Mm. But I left on a Friday, and I always got a job on Monday. And until I retired a couple of years ago, I was actually never unemployed for a single day all of my lifetime. So I could say to you, the culture, the environment was such that you could actually have a job for life if you wanted to. You could have a decent rate to pay, and you could also have a pension which would look after you in retirement. Currently, at the moment, unfortunately, that's not the case. We've seen in the last 50 years, the majority of the people those days were working in textiles, heavy engineering, for example, uh, electrical, you know, where in Bradford we used to have Birch Television that produced uh, televisions that we used to export worldwide, even to Japan. We used to manufacture uh, tractors, international offices at five ends. We actually exported those worldwide, no longer is the case. 
And, you know, you see a large number of people currently, I see them, that they are either self-employed and working in, tax, in taxiing, for example, or they actually are shopkeepers or working takeaways. Those jobs, in fact, they're not stable and they don't allow people to earn a good living where they can sustain a roof over their head and have a decent living and allow them to educate their children. So what more do you think needs to be done? Frankly, a lot more needs to be done than currently has been done. Resources, job creation and the massive challenge ahead of us is automation. In the next 10 years, as self-driving cars are developed and voice recognition technology is refined, studies currently indicate that we are going to lose 35% of the current level of jobs. Taxi driving, call center jobs, which a lot of our youngsters, in fact, depend on. What we need to do is ensure our springs are helped and assisted to choose the correct subjects to study and choose the career paths of the modern world ahead. Do you fear racist attitudes are becoming more prevalent? Because some people would argue the likes of the BNP, UKIP or even Donald Trump are normalising quite racist rhetoric. Would you agree with that? I would say an absolute yes to that question to yours. I think it's getting worse, far worse than what I faced back in the 70s, 80s. Mm. Because, you know, those days when I got involved, became an activist, we had this dream that we're going to be active and we're going to fight racism. And it's going to take us about 40 years and we will be able to get rid of it. And then we can actually work in mainstream politics, mainstream work, and we, our children will have nothing to worry about racism. But in fact, that is not the case. The situation is getting worse. And, you know, the, the referendum to leave Europe, for example, hasn't helped the mainstream political parties, and I say actually all of our parties, exception currently with uh, Jeremy Corbyn, I think that man has spoken up and stood up that parties, when it comes to general election times, rather than actually talking about the benefits of migrant workers coming to Britain, and migrant workers, every study, every uh, research that's been indicated, they in fact show the migrant workers tr contribute tremendously. Take me as an example. I came to Britain at the age of 14, studied for a year and a half, went into work. I paid my taxes, national insurance, nearly 50 years. Never made any call about the health service up to this day. Touch wood, I'm fine. And uh, I've just started drawing my state pension literally 12 months ago. Where your child born and bred here, there's a lot of expense goes to educating them, um, giving the health service. So I think for people to criticise the very people who are making a tremendous contribution, though very little in return, this migrant workers. Political parties, in fact, need to stand up and they need to be honest. And you know, what I've witnessed in the last kind of uh, 20 years particularly, is UKIP, for example, and all the other mainstream political parties, rather than actually standing up and being counting, saying it's wrong, we should call out the races, they actually are in a, a race with each other who can actually be most critical about the migrant workers. And, you know, the referendum, one of the biggest issues uh, was uh, migration. And people like myself, and I know my colleagues and bus drivers, I can tell you, uh, share experience with one driver who said to me a day after the referendum, when a, a white passenger got on the bus, he says, why are you still in my country? 
I thought we voted yesterday to get short of you. I want you to leave Britain and vacate this job for another colleague. Now, that is nothing else but racism. And, you know, I know that driver has worked here 35 years. He was on the verge of retirement. Hearing something like it's not comforting for anyone. And so, therefore, I say to political parties and everyone else, stop using migrant workers and migration as a football every time when it comes to election times. You've carried out a lot of progressive work. So this is a big question for you. What would you like your legacy to be? You know, I have a, an inspiration that, same inspiration that I know that uh, our generations when they came in the 60s as migrants had. And one of the biggest aspirations they had, they actually wanted to see us, me, our children, get the education so you can we can actually do well uh, for our communities. Uh, I also have an aspiration that I want our communities to devote more financial resources to educate our offsprings, particularly young Muslim girls. A large number of them are doing so well in education, but when it comes to going to universities and wanting to pursue career paths, they have been held back by not receiving the same level of support which is afforded to boys. I think by offering equal treatment to boys and girls, it's just and fair. And as a result of this, the community would be much more prosperous than it is now. And just a final quick one. Do you prefer being a bus driver or president of the TUC? Definitely president of the TUC. <laughs> <laughs> Mahamataj, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Across West Yorkshire, Manchester and Glasgow, this is Sunrise Radio on FM, DAB, online, mobile, tablet and TV.